We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the Rotoviz OT podcast. Sean, we have mentioned it a couple of times over the last few episodes. We're going to have some listener leagues over the next couple of weeks. Um, of course, it's always good to uh, you know get interaction. We're enjoying uh, the interaction we get from the listeners on Saturday's show as a sneak preview. Actually, we're going to write and review some lineups and uh, drafts from some of our listeners that have been submitted over our way as well. But if you want to get into those listener league, do let me know. You can send me a message via Twitter at Overtime Ireland, or you can email it over at rotavizradio at gmail.com. We will try and fill up a few of those, but that first one is very close to fill in. So let us know if you are interested. Uh, of course, drop us a written interview as well on your favorite podcast app. Uh, we do appreciate that very much. But on today's show, Sean, lots of uh, wide receiver talk coming up on on today's show i know the listeners always enjoy that and there is going to be pieces here from blair from sam wallace and from uh, michael hitchcock so uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun wide receiver show exactly colin it's going to be a lot of fun to go over blair's work we mentioned that we just drafted with him sam gives us a team to target and it's one of my favorite teams as a team that we targeted in our draft that just took place and then michael hitchcock uh, his second article for the site and I think a provocative, exciting, interesting piece to debate will go over whether or not he is right about this rare chance to start with an elite running back and then still put together an absolute all-star team of wide receiver legends, whether or not those guys are still the players to go after. So let's start here with Blair. His article is entitled Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Why Fantasy Football Doesn't Have to Be That Hard. An introduction to some new and old advanced wide receiver metrics. Now, it's always good to hear Blair say that wide receiver, it's always good to hear Blair say that fantasy football doesn't have to be that hard. One of the things that people love about his work is that he goes into some very complicated analysis and makes it simple for us. He offers a huge correlation matrix in this piece, looking at a ton of different advanced stats and telling us which ones are most predictive of themselves and of fantasy points in the following season. Obviously, that's something that fantasy owners need to know. 
because if you're chasing a stat that has very little relevance or very little predictive ability in terms of what happens in this year for the players you're currently drafting, then you're going to make some mistakes, right? And so we want to know what elements are going to be most stable, what elements are going to help us win our leagues in 2021. And I think part of the big news here is that Rotoviz is going to have a lot more advanced stats during the in season for this coming campaign, right? So we're going to have a lot of things with routes. We're going to have a lot of things, broken tackles. We're going to have elements telling you, you know, what formations players were in, you know, who did what, when at a level of detail that we haven't had in the past. And so if you're, someone who's a Rotoviz listener and you're considering being a Rotoviz subscriber, we're like, I need to have that information. You know, do I want to subscribe to multiple sites? You don't have to, right? We're going to have the information for you this season. Blair gives us a little bit of an introduction to some of the route elements, and he comes up with a little bit of a controversial claim where he looks at routes and points out that within the season, routes are fairly even between the different receivers. And so this can be a little bit different from running back, a little bit different from tight end. Routes are very useful. It's not to denigrate routes at all. But he's pointing out that the routes between the different receivers are fairly similar. And so one of the reasons why the per route metrics look to be something that's very stable is simply because you're using one element that is basically the same for all guys. So it basically comes out to be a counting stat. If you're looking at yards, if you're looking at targets, you know, this yards per route, targets per route, part of the element that's simply going on there is if all the players have the same number of routes, you've gotten back to this idea of, okay, well, you know, we have yards, we have targets, we know that those things are going to translate into the following season. But his second point is that, yeah, we still are, are excited about this stuff. In 2020, Chase Claypool was among the league leaders in yards per route run after six weeks. He had run fewer than 100 total routes and ranked outside the top 30 in total yards. Although his YPRR regressed, he finished the season with over 215 points. Claypool, obviously, this guy who, if you're trying to decide if you want to buy him on the waiver wire early in the season, the fact that he was extremely efficient there is a positive sign for you. In 2019, after four games, Michael Gallup had only run 47 total routes not even 12 per game, but he was at this crazy 4.8 YPRR, which, you know, if you're not familiar with the stat, anything really, you know, above that 2.5 level is going to be the superstar range. And so his efficiency suggested he deserved more routes. He ended up getting more routes. He broke out to the tune of 212 points. Michael Gallup, someone who might have been owned, but if you're thinking, okay, well, what kind of late round swap should i make early in the season maybe you're able to pry gallop away and put him out there in your starting lineup especially if you need receivers so there are some elements of this kind of pointing in both directions and as usual blair is the perfect person to break it all down and make it simple for you yeah he mentions as well then as he as he goes down through the top efficiency metrics um, he does point out that kind of the old faithful uh, fantasy points over expectation, you know, FPOE that we talk about here on the show a lot um, is still kind of one that's going to help us a lot to get those players that we want to get. So he says not only is FPOE more predictive of itself than traditional efficiency metrics like yards per target, but it's also more predictive for future fantasy scoring than any other efficiency metric, including cash rate and yards 
per reception. He does also mention some of the parts that kind of, I won't say make them less efficient, but that can uh, make them a little bit trickier to match year on year, you know, dot and a, a couple of other things that are mixed in there. But the one thing, Sean, when we look back through it, and, you know, we obviously have the opportunity metrics as well, um, you know, expected points being put in there. The fact that those two things are two of the, the best ways of predicting it, but he does say the single most predictive metric for everything is, well, not for everything. <laughs> that's a that's a very broad statement. But for most things when we're looking for future fantasy production is past fantasy points. Um, I think that it's like we talk about, and uh, you and Ben have talked about it on State of Bananas, like these top wide receivers that continue to be top wide receivers is a lot of the time that they are the best players. They do the best things and they get the most points because they have the biggest plays. And that tends to continue year on year more so than with the running back position. Um, and it's it's interesting that he ties it up with that being the most predictive metric. Exactly. And we do know, and he points out that you can create extremely accurate within the range of accuracy that we can have. We know that projections are not accurate at all. <laughs> we know that rankings aren't accurate. We know that ADP isn't accurate, but you can create good projections with using a lot of these different advanced stats as part of it. So, you know, an algorithm is going to be more is going to be is going to give you a better result than simply past fantasy points. But I think that when you're looking at the different stats, there can be this sort of mental shortcut that we take. We're like, okay, well, this guy is someone that we have to have because he does really well in this stat that I like, or this guy is someone that I have to have, you know, for that same reason. And it's easy to forget that if you're just going to look at one thing, if you want to boil it down really quickly, then just look at those past fantasy points. We talk a lot about how when you completely strip out efficiency, I think sometimes these very efficient players get penalized in the following season by drafters because they're thinking, okay, that's all going to regress. You want to look at these in a much more sophisticated way than that because stripping out the FPOE portion of the equation, for example, is going to make you less effective at understanding a person's profile and what they're likely to do. And it's going to create exposure for you to players who have a lower ceiling, right? And so we want to make sure that we don't do that. He's got some cool things to say about our expected points metric in here. He does break down how you can use a variety of advanced stats to create a good projection. But he also tells you how if you're working with uh, not necessarily simpler stats, but stats that we have had easy access to for a long time, you know, like catch rate, that you can use some elements of that to actually make very good projections too. So for anyone who's interested in the advanced stats, what they mean, how to use them, how to put them in combinations that are successful, make sure you check out this work by Blair. Uh, you won't regret it. It's a, a Blair Andrews article and always delivers the goods. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com. Click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Sean, jumping into another article um, here that's going to deliver the goods and it is from Sam Wallace. We had Sam on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, phenomenal uh, writer and uh, really enjoyed having him on the podcast. We may have uh, some more Sam Wallace podcast content hopefully coming up over the next couple of months. But he talks about uh, how we could see a team make what he calls the Buffalo jump. So last year we seen an explosion of fantasy production from players going well below where the end of season ADP may have ranked, particularly in Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. But when we look at the situation, and this is a team that we've talked about for a long time, I've always said if they just had the quarterback to push them over the edge, Sean always says that Aaron Rodgers should be that quarterback, but uh, we, we continue to go back and forth on that. But um, the Denver Broncos are a team this year who the talent and the players that they have assembled on the offensive side of the ball look to be of a very very high caliber there's a lot of guys here that we've liked in the past and then they've added to it as well with guys that we still like obviously from the past and now in the present so i know javante williams is somebody sean that you like this year uh interesting profile then we have Cortland sutton who i've always liked jerry judy who we've both uh, talked a lot about in the past and then noah fant who when we tie it back to uh, our draft this past week with blair we did end up drafting both uh, Williams and also Fant. So they're, they're guys that we think are really, really interesting this year. Last year, we were in a similar position um, where we liked both Judy, uh, Fant, and in that situation, Sutton as well. Unfortunately, Sutton picking up the injury last year and missing uh, the entire season. But the Broncos look like a team that if, if they can just get passable quarterback play, could really take a jump this year from a you know, production standpoint. They do. And so, Colin, let's put you sort of uh, in the hot seat here and figure out which of these guys is actually going to be the league winner, right? So we start with Javante Williams. We know that he went a little bit later in the NFL draft than Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. We know he's going a little bit later in fantasy drafts, in part because he will have something of a timeshare with Melvin Gordon. But 
he's this player who he has the three down body. He's got the receiving upside. He's someone who, despite not testing out of this world in terms of speed, was one of the best players in college football last year in terms of creating big plays. Dave Caven has some great work on that with the breakaway rush score. Williams way up there. I like the guys who have the three down ability and you know are not going to be averaging three yards per carrier, or at least in most seasons will not be doing that. Now, one of the things that people I think are concerned about is that because this Broncos offense uh, isn't going to threaten people in the passing game, that maybe he will be inefficient as a rookie. I'm not saying that won't happen because if your team doesn't block for you, if the defense doesn't respect you, then it can be difficult to create the types of plays you need to have. In order to have a good yard per carry, you have to have you know some of these 10, 15, 25, 50 yard runs. That's how you get the numbers up there. It's very difficult to consistently have successful plays as an NFL running back. The defenses are too good, right? One of the cool things here, again, we can go to Blair's research. We can talk about FPOE. He's got a great article out about draft age and NFL running backs. People understand this dynamic at this point, but I think that we then still are reluctant to actually apply it when we're given individual guys because we think, okay, well, these guys are not going to fit that overall template, right? So we know that Harris is old. We know that ETN is old. We know that Williams is very, very young. We we look at his chart here and we see that in terms of professional breakout rate, that these guys who are 20 years old in their final season in their draft season that they break out almost 50% of the time. You even go to 21 and that drops to just a little over 20. You go to 22 and it's down to 10%, right? So we know there are huge differences here. Now, a lot of that actually is reflected in where people are drafted. So you can look where they're drafting and say, okay, Harris, ETN, they're drafting that first round. That's going to eliminate a lot of your concerns about the fact that they're older. One of the reasons why a lot of these older guys don't break out is that they were drafted a lot later. But one of the things that we do see and getting it back to this efficiency level is that draft slot does not wipe out the differences in efficiency early in the career between guys who are young and guys who are older. And so we're, we're talking about a fairly specific kind of thing. I'm not saying that because of this, these historical results that we're necessarily going to see Williams with this breakout uh, you know, three or four fantasy points over expectation kind of season. But I am saying we look at some of the guys who were good as rookies, maybe better than we thought. You know, you have this better than expected season from Nick Chubb. You had the very good season from Jonathan Taylor, someone we did think could have some of those things. And we're talking about a guy who could maybe end up with decent volume early in the season, might have fantastic volume late in the season, and then could actually create some big plays to outperform that volume. Williams is someone, even in this Broncos offense, who might be a candidate for that. Now, on our draft, we selected Jonathan Taylor in round one. He's got a week 14 bye. So then we're like, okay, well, we think we've got a good chance to advance to the playoffs if he doesn't get hurt. We get that extra game in. But we have to find a way to win in week 14. Williams fell about a half round below ADP to us at the 5-6 turn. We grabbed him. Obviously, Colin, you were on board with that, but how excited are you for Williams? Is he someone who you would draft at his ADP in the middle of that round? Is he someone that you would reach for even earlier? 
for me at the moment, I think he's in a position where, and I, I, I feel like this is just an answer I tend to use, is that he's in a range where there is other players that I'm taking ahead of him. But when we were on the board and that opportunity came up and the other players that I would target were gone, he is like well and truly above the next level. So I, I think that we're going to see a, uh, something happen here over the next couple of weeks and uh, it's suggested in the article too that we're going to see training camp we're going to see good reports of him we're going to see his adp probably continue to rise so i think that everything you mentioned there i think there's a big chance that the breakout happens i think we're looking here at melbourne garden we we'll probably have to deal with that for the opening weeks of the season but i think we're going to see a situation where he is so much better than garden that that goes away pretty quickly i would imagine so i'm really excited to see what he does he's just in a range at the moment where there is other guys i'm usually drafting around him um but i think that like that was the first draft that we had out of the 112 or that i had out of the 112 and the the players that i would be hoping to get there were were gone just before that and i was very happy to to get him on board you asked me who i think the league winner is going to be and i still have a tough time passing on Cortland Sutton at his current ADP you know he's going to wide receiver 32 obviously missed the entire season with that injury but you know as a sophomore had 124 targets he had 1100 receiving yards he had six touchdowns he did that with Joe Flacco Brandon Allen and Drew Locke so we're we're not looking at you know the best quarterback combination that we're ever going to see I've said this a lot of times that you know Teddy Bridgewater isn't a, a great quarterback he's just probably an average quarterback at times he may be below average but I think he's going to do enough to be able to help this offense produce and I, I think that Sutton still has that breakout in him in terms of if he can be healthy after that injury this time last year we were drafting him and I was drafting him very very comfortably in that kind of third fourth round range and I think that if things uh, are healed well from that injury i think that he can still be the one that breaks out i do like judy as well and i'm interested just to get your thoughts because he is basically going in the identical spot uh, to Cortland sutton they're pretty much going back to back in drafts what's your thoughts between those two am i too confident in that sutton is going to be the the one to have out of those two guys um is there a situation where both guys can be productive this year I think there's a situation where either guy could be wildly productive. I think there are lots of scenarios in which both players play well and come in right around their ADP. Because when you're talking about wide receiver 30, I think we're overconfident in how most of the players in that range are actually going to end up scoring. I think there's a situation as well where GD could end up being the guy. You look at, at Sutton, he did have a a very nice 2019 season despite horrible quarterback play he did finish with under 14 points per game so i think this idea that he is a star who would block judy maybe doesn't completely wash for me and we're talking about i would have liked to have seen him closer to that 17 point per game range as a second year player i love his body i love his style as a player i think that he's one of those guys where you know you look at him and you think to yourself well this could be a aj brown or andre johnson light kind of player and yet we haven't exactly seen that and i think that when you're coming back off of injury it, it makes it even more unlikely that we're going to see it in this season and then you're quickly starting to get in the range where like okay well he's not aged out by any stretch but he's no longer one of these young emerging type guys by contrast, Judy could be that player, even though he's smaller, probably slower, but 
he has so much going for him for a receiver who maybe doesn't have the top five wide receiver upside in him that we can maybe say that Sutton had in the past. But you look at his profile, you look at comps to the coming out of college, like Lynn and Odell Beckham. Then you look at what he did as a rookie. I mean, he caught 52 of 113 targets, which is absurd, right? He dropped a ton of passes, drew lock through a bunch of passes that, you know, were nowhere close. He had no chance at, and that kind of covers up the fact that he was wide receiver, 21 in targets, wide receiver, 30 in receiving yards. He caught, 46% of his passes and he's being drafted below where he finished in receiving yards last year. Right. So when we're talking about upside. We, we know that the second year breakout is the main season that you want to get exposure. And then you look at some of the other options to get exposure. Well, CD lamb, you've you got to pay a ton, right? Even guys like T Higgins and Brandon Ayuk who are undervalued. You still have to pay a lot more than you have to pay for Judy for Chanel for Henry Ruggs, And so I'm trying to get exposure to those guys. We talk about some peripherals that could be encouraging. Now, you know, we just talked at the beginning of the show about some of the things that matter, some of the things that may not matter as much, how we want to be careful about overvaluing any one peripheral stat. Jerry Judy last season in this terrible offense was number six overall in air yards, right? So there are some volume elements to his profile that are very, very encouraging. He can be a more vertical player, I think, than people are giving him credit for. One of the things that will be interesting to see play out in 2021 is one of the reasons why we liked Sutton last season and we're drafting him where we were is that he was one of the top guys in the NFL in terms of market share of air yards. And if he's able to take some of the elements of that volume and the Denver offense takes a step forward, then you're talking about a guy who is a big league winner, even at that ADP. Well, number one, the offense didn't take a step forward. And number two, he got hurt. So neither element that had to happen <laughs> was in place. But we look about this here and we think, okay, so not only are you looking at Sutton and Judy as guys who have some overlap just in potential target volume issues, but well, you also have this element of, you know, which guy is going to get some of these high value targets. Then you also have to throw in KJ Hamler, who is a better vertical receiver in all likelihood than either one of them. And so how this offense plays out will be really, really interesting. I like taking Judy as the healthy guy who has that second year breakout potential, knowing that, you know, both of these guys could also underperform. I think that the Hamler element of this offense, I draft him in almost every draft. I, I think that that, is a real fly in the ointment for everybody. And then finally here, we also like Noah Fant. We also selected him. We had a, a debate between Fant and Logan Thomas when we were on the board in this draft. Colin, he, you look at Kyle Pitt's athletic numbers and they blow you away. And then you pull up Noah Fant and you realize, okay, well, they're a little bit different. In Kyle Pitts, it's not just his athleticism that has people so excited. He was a fantastic actual receiver in college, which matters. He's going into a situation there with the Atlanta Falcons where his volume level right off the bat could be just you know through the roof. But Fant, right, 97th percentile in the 40, 86th percentile in the shuttle, 97th percentile in the cone, 96th percentile in the broad, 97th percentile and then we look at where he's been on the NFL playing field where he's ranked number two among tight ends in yards after the catch both as a rookie and then number three last season can phantom merge in this offense when we have bad quarterback play and we have a lot of target competition I definitely think he can a lot of the reasons you mentioned there are exactly why I think 
that can happen. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, a lot of people t- say, you know, deep ball might be an issue, but we've seen that you don't have to have a deep pass for Fant to have a long touchdown. So we've seen him do some tremendous things. Uh, it's just, I think we need to see him put together the consistency. You mentioned some of the metrics, like his speed score is 97, his freak score is 96, his explosion is 98. This guy is like just a top, top end athlete. And if we can get him to put that together, then with a consistent you know football playing and you know I, I think we have a really really um talented player on our hands obviously his draft capital as well very very high um and you know we're looking at pets i'm very excited about pets but i think fant has a uh, really really upside this season so i'm i'm drafting him where we can i know you like thomas as well and the listeners will hear that debate between the two guys um uh, on on the draft podcast but um i think it's interesting and you mentioned hamler um i'm gonna have to stop showing the last two rounds of any drafts we do together because once i think people have stopped looking to see who are drafting at the start of the draft they just look for the team that's drafted kj hamler and say oh that's seagull's team there kj hamler's on it so um i think that's that's the way we'll do it but um i think as well as you mentioned yeah, I know that Peter Overzet has also supposedly has Hamler as one of his top owned players. So I feel like I'm in pretty good company there. Hopefully we are right. Colin, I wanted to, to put you on the spot here. Bridgewater, three 1,000-yard seasons last year in Carolina, and yet they gave him the boot. Three more 1,000-yard seasons between these Denver guys in 2021. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't actually thought of, thought of it that way, but I, I think it's a possibility. Um, I think like he's he's very efficient. He's just not very exciting. But I think these players maybe can tip him over that edge. Like I think people forget about last year. You know what Curtis Samuel was able to do. What the situation was with Robbie Anderson going into the season, where you know you could pretty much get him wherever you wanted. And then obviously DJ Moore had a solid season. But I think people are thinking that that was an underachievement for him. And uh, I th- I think Bridgewater gets a raw deal. I, I think that he's, I think Teddy Bridgewater is the modern day Andy Dalton from you know a couple of years ago, or maybe even uh, Alex Smith. The way people would talk about Alex Smith, I think there's a there's an NFL quarterback there, just not the most exciting, explosive NFL quarterback that you're ever going to see. So, um, looking forward to seeing what the Broncos do as long as Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback come week one of the season. Uh, the next part then we're going to look into is from Michael Hitchcock, and he's looking at. Maybe some wide receiver legends that you can get at non-legendary prices. So if we're looking to start with that elite running back and then dive into wide receivers, we can we can check out some of those names. So there's a lot of interesting candidates, Sean, this year going in those kind of third, second, third, fourth round range that maybe are getting pushed down a little bit. I think really we're looking here at the, the third, fourth, fifth range. Um, one of those we did debate while we were um, in the draft. We had a lot of good discussion. Uh, I suppose I'm using the word debate, but we talked about players that I like, you like, Blair likes, where we are on them while we were waiting to get those picks. For people who are listening to the show, they'll realize that all those guys were usually gone by the time we <laughs> got to pick anyway. But uh, first up here is Michael Thomas, uh, currently wide receiver 10, which is around the 30th spot in terms of ADP over at the FFPC. We obviously had a situation, Sean, where uh, Drew Brees has retired, spent a lot of last year injured. There was a lot of uncertainty around the situation with Thomas. He's dealt with injuries over the last uh, few seasons, but he had one of the all-time seasons uh, a couple of years back where 
was just absolutely superb and was a real true league winner. Then the other option we have is Mike Evans. He's going at wide receiver or wide receiver 16, which is 46 ADP. And um, you know, we talked about him and Godwin on that show. I still think there is upside for Evans, even though Godwin is my preferred option. And the last one then, who I think people are coming around on a little bit more over recent weeks since the trade did go down, and we're starting to think about how that offense could operate with the Titans. It's Julio Jones, wide receiver 1746 overall. Um, we all know what Julio has done in the past, but obviously he is aging as well. What is your thoughts on those three guys? Have you somebody in that that is a, a target for you, or are they guys that just, if the opportunity comes up, that maybe you'll be going after or possibly are they guys that you're avoiding at their current uh, ADP? Michael Thomas is very tricky, right? Because we have this player who's at a big discount to what he would have been last year or the year before, and yet is still an expensive guy. And when you're talking about wide receiver 10, you're talking about 30th overall, that's not a spot where you can necessarily afford to throw away a pick saying, oh, I think this guy is just definitely going to get back. And my approach to fantasy has always been not to risk buying a guy on the decline early in drafts at the same time we have a lot of pieces of evidence here suggesting that thomas is just the same guy right you look at his four starts last year with Taysom hill 33 percent target share you look at his target share when he played last season 28 percent that trails only Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins. And when you look at what's going to happen this coming season, I mean, the target volume is going to be there. So the question is, is Thomas greatly reduced as a player due to that injury and the injury combined with getting a little bit older, someone who came into the NFL at a more advanced age and maybe didn't have as many years in the peak just as a result of that. I like to look at another piece by Blair Andrews, Anatomy of a Bounce Back, Blair talks about you know, what we like to see in terms of people making bounce backs. The bounce backs are, are somewhat rare, right? But, but what do we need to find? Well, we look at his criteria and we see younger, earlier drafted players. Well, Thomas is 28 now, but he's not someone we're saying, okay, well, you know, he's not in his mid-30s. We're not saying this is, this is no chance. He's an old dude. He's not Larry Fitzgerald. He was drafted early, so it's a little bit of a wash. Extremely efficient and productive in the season prior to decline. Well... <laughs> Thomas scored 374 points, was 67 fantasy points over expectation that season. I think he pretty easily checks that box. And then we look at efficient and solidly productive in the year of decline. So this is one of the things that's a little bit counterintuitive, where sometimes I think we say, okay, well, if someone was injured, you can't really control that. That's not a big deal. If someone was inefficient, you know, that's great. We just, that regresses and then they're fine. They score the points. That's actually not what Blair found right? So you miss more games with injuries. That's a problem. You're inefficient. That's a problem. It's actually a little bit of a sign that you could be on the decline and people don't want to chase you up. He played in only seven games. He cratered in this efficiency category. He was minus 11 fantasy points over expectation. So that's not great, but it's also not in the level where I think we're saying, okay, well, Michael Thomas is done. I like him in this range but I haven't necessarily been hitting him on my own teams. He hasn't really been fitting either where I've been in drafts or what I need to accomplish when I'm that point in drafts. But he's someone I'm definitely keeping an eye on, someone I would like to add a little bit of. When you talk about Michael being on him here, 
We had Sam when he was on the show talking about Michael Thomas as one of his targets. One of the things he was referencing was a cool podcast by Curtis Patrick talking about how Michael Thomas was one of his most owned players. Now, Curtis and I did trade Thomas in our in our own dynasty league, our pros versus Joe's league. So, you know, we, we've also sold him. But when those guys are all on Thomas, that makes me even a little bit less reluctant to buy a player who, you know, there are some red flags for. I think when someone gets a little bit older, is no longer maybe in that range where we're expecting the monster season and, you know, th- this quarterback situation. I think when you combine quarterback and you combine injury, I think this discount here where he's wide receiver 10 instead of wide receiver one, I think that's a fair price. And so guys who are a fair price are not necessarily the people that I end up with. Most of the people that I have on my teams are guys where I really think they're undervalued by, you know, a half a round, a full round, two rounds. Now, when you're talking about, you know, in the first three or four rounds, you, you don't find a lot of guys who are two rounds undervalued. That just wouldn't make sense. But that's kind of where I am on Thomas. Colin, where are you on Julio Jones? He's someone else we can also apply the bounce back criteria to and, and try and figure out where we think he is. Yeah, and I think um, with Julio as well, I think when we look at his, you know, production from last year, look at his metrics from last year, I think they're a lot better than people probably think or kind of remember that he did so julio falls very much into the same conversation as you had there for me where he's going i think that he's a a a fair price i think he's at the price he probably should be and again then we're looking at players that we think are undervalued and there is players going in that range that i'm consistently targeting uh be for all transparency above all three of these guys but i also think that they are fairly priced at their current ADP. I think Julio is quite interesting based on the thoughts on immediately after his move to um, the Titans was basically that they're a very efficient offense who aren't going to have enough passing to be able to sustain him and AJ Brown. And then obviously Derrick Henry is going to get all the work. There is that scenario where if something happens to Derrick Henry, that it has to become a much more pass heavy offense. We can't predict that really, but I think Jones is going to have more targets that people maybe anticipated immediately after that move and uh, I think that both him and Brown can be very productive but I think that like AJ Brown's a clear target in this offense so the guy that I want to get um but Julio is interesting but he's just going in that range where there's a lot of other kind of younger wide receivers who I think are on the ascension that uh, I'm drafting in that range but I think uh probably the hit that he got immediately after the move where people thought that there was no value there I think is is overblown. I think we've kind of balanced that out now at this point. Well, if Derrick Henry gets hurt, which we don't want to have happen, but is a possibility, like we unfortunately have already seen with Cam Akers, I mean, both of those guys are going to be top 10 wide receivers, right? Yeah. And so you yeah. have to factor that into the price a little bit too. We talked about efficiency in the year of decline is actually a very positive indicator. Julio Jones, 4.1 fantasy points over expectation per game last season. Only five guys scored more than that. Devontae Adams, not a surprise. Tyreek Hill, not a surprise. Will Fuller, the guy who created the big plays. A.J. Brown, his teammate. And then Adam Thielen, who scored all of the touchdowns. So we got the guys who ranked fourth and sixth, respectively, in FPOE on that team. Then you look at Ryan Tannehill, full season, 72 passing fantasy points over expectation. The only guys ahead of him last year were Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Part of the thing that I'm dealing with is I still have all of these images 
of Ryan Tannehill as a Miami Dolphins quarterback. And, and I have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that he's been very, very good with the Titans, right? And so, I mean, you could see an aerial show in games where the, the Titans need to score, right? I mean, if their defense doesn't do some of the things that we need to do to have this you know, return of an epic season from Derrick Henry, I think the offense is going to move in the direction of the passing game. I mean, how can it not when you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? I mean, you're talking about the two guys really currently in the NFL with the alpha wide receiver bodies and the ability to move, the ability to run after the catch. I mean, maybe you put DK Metcalf in there, but Brown and, and Jones are, are more advanced players. You got these guys on the same team with an efficient quarterback. It's just so easy to dream about them. We own a ton of AJ Brown. When you own a ton of AJ Brown, you don't necessarily own a ton of Julio Jones in addition, but there's a great case to be made that, you know, why are you drafting AJ Brown when you can get one of the greatest players of a generation who was fantastic last season when he was on the field? You know, why are you drafting the more expensive of the two players. So I, I go, I look at this offense, another cool piece by Michael and they're not guys I'm necessarily hitting, but you think about the fact that you could have a Jonathan Taylor team. You could have a, an Ezekiel Elliott team. If you're a Dallas Cowboys guy, you could have a Derrick Henry team and then still be able to get Michael Thomas, Mike Evans and Julio Jones. I mean, that seems weird, right? All of those guys have been, a first round pick in fantasy in the past, right? Not a, not a wide receiver one pick, but a first round pick. You look at it and say, if you believe in Julio Jones, if you believe that Mike Evans is the star of that Buccaneers offense and is going to score a ton of touchdowns because Tom Brady's going to have a 2008 like season. I mean, you think, well, that's kind of silly. Is, is, is it necessary? All those kinds of things. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. I mean, if you don't think that those guys want to make the rest of the NFL feel silly, then I mean, <laughs> you don't understand those guys. So, you know, if you like Michael Thomas as someone who can play, say Jameis Winston, think about what Jameis Winston did with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin the previous season. You know, will he be allowed to play that style with the Saints? I mean, possibly not, but I, you could end up with a team that really has four first round pick values and guys who is not like you're taking flyers on. I mean, these are established superstars. So uh, kind of a fun thought experiment here. And I like the evidence behind these plays. Yeah, good piece. And um, also, as always, once we get ready to wrap up, uh, I do want to let you know you can get a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is head on over to rotoviz.com, add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout, gets you access to all of the content and tools up on the site, all of the articles that we talk about on the show. And if you want to get further information, you can go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. We are doing listener leagues as well, myself and Sean. If you want to draft against us, let me know. Send it my way at Overtime Ireland on Twitter or rotobizradio at gmail.com. Or I guess you can just send it to overtimeireland at gmail.com as well. I'll get it that way either. Send them across. We're looking forward to drafting with some of you in the coming weeks. That's going to do it for today's edition of the show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And my co-host is Sean Siegel. You can check out Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And if you do want to follow him, you can follow him at FF underscore contrarian. Um, he will not reply to any of those uh, tweets, but you can follow him if you wish. But uh, until we're back with another show on Saturday, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.